ESPN Audio and the undefeated proudly partner in the intersection where sports and social justice meet. Now alongside L. Duncan, here's Clinton Yates. It is far from a happy Thursday, kiddos. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. The show is presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests on this program appear via the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. My name is Clinton Yates. I'm a columnist at The Undefeated. You've seen me as a panelist on Around the Horn and various other shows on this network. Elle Duncan is our co-host. She's a host on SportsCenter. She's on Around the Horn as well. And we all work in this business. You can tweet us at Clinton Yates and at L. Duncan ESPN. You want to join the discussion? 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Right now, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. If you've been living under a rock for the past two days in sports media world, you might not know that today the Washington Post dropped a story in which 15 former employees for the Washington football team told that paper that they were sexually harassed during their time at the club, amongst other things, in terms of verbal abuse and various other violations that we'll get to later. However, I'm a man in this business. Being from D.C. does not change that. L. Duncan, you've been in this business for a long time. In a very high-profile mode, I would simply like your thoughts on what you read today. Yeah, I've been in the sports industry for 17 years. My thoughts were, sadly, my thoughts were, yeah, no, yep. <laughs> like, if there was no shock, there was no, obviously, there's disgust. Uh, but the, this, if you, and this isn't just relegated to sports. Any woman that works in a male-dominated industry fully understands that there are a million of these kinds of stories. And I think what was so telling about this article is that of the 15 women that told their accounts, how many, how many Clinton were on the record? How many? One. Right. There was one on the record. And why is that? For a few reasons, because of fear of retribution, because nobody likes a whistleblower. And because if these same women want to continue to pursue uh, jobs or careers in the avenues with which they've obviously chosen, the sports field or whatever it might be that is a male-dominated industry, then they don't want to be perceived as the one that can't take a joke, the one that you know neuters men, and the the one that doesn't allow locker room talk or sort of you know what we have ascribed as like guys being guys. No one wants a Debbie Downer and a and that is essentially why we've landed at the place that we have, which is that we have made excuses for so long for men to be allowed to say these things. I bet you there's men reading this article going. What's that? Okay, so what? He encouraged her to use her feminine wiles. To like, women do that all the time when they want to get into clubs, when they want something, they do it all the time. But why is it a big deal when a man? And that's sort of where we're at in this culture of of accepting intolerable behavior, like tolerating it to a certain degree, which is exactly what the Washington team did. Nobody was punished until they were held accountable publicly or were going to be held uh, accountable publicly. And as much as I want to be outraged and shocked by this, Clinton, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I've got stories for days that are just as disgusting. And I know most women out there do. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's probably the most depressing part about all of this, looking at it. However, as an individual from D.C., there's something very specific about the last week in America that 
has been gutting, has been angering, and most importantly, has been embarrassing. Let me tell you something. The first NFL experience I ever had was the last time that team was any good. I'm almost 40. I was 10 years old, and I went to every single regular season game at RFK Stadium and the two playoff games they played in D.C. did not go to the Super Bowl. I loved that team. It was the reason why I thought the NFL was cool. As I grew up, I used that word. Family kept the tickets, went out to Ralph John with the regular basis. And over time, when Sean Taylor came along and he passed, it became clear that something was unsustainable about what was happening in Ashburn where the headquarters are. You started to see things like, oh, I don't know. Dan Snyder is forcing media operations into partnerships with his team so that they, A, have to use the word, which is a racist name, and B, basically are being bought off with hush money. In terms of what that team was representing just on a mascot level. That's one. Don't even get me started about the history of that team in terms of the guy who started it, and it took him a federal act, basically, to integrate the team. My point is, is that growing up, you knew that you had to swallow a serious pill in order to reasonably root for that team. And guess what? This is all of our faults. I'm talking fans of that team, of which I am and was one. I'm talking people who worked in that market. I'm talking former players of that team who looked the other way when Dan decided to give them money to be representatives of the team, when they knew what was going on. And I could run down the line of all the things that happened, whether it be exploiting cheerleaders as ambassadors, and I don't want to use this word on radio, so I won't, but let's just say making them available to his rich friends, Dan Snyder, in a disgusting and sordid way, that's one part. Don't get me started on all the terrible business practices and unethical things this human did to try to squeeze money out of people all in the name of what? If you're one of these humans walking the earth these days that is still finding some reason to say, oh, no, the name needs to be something like, oh, I don't know, Red Tails or Red Hawks. Or maybe we shouldn't change the colors because, you know, that's kind of the tradition. What's the tradition, dog? What are you defending? Because the team is garbage. And if you're younger than I am, you've never, ever seen success that mattered. This guy was selling an experience and an existence that was all a lie. Why? Because every single time somebody bought a jersey, every single time somebody paid 50-odd dollars to go out to PG County and park in FedEx Field, you are fueling that guy's operation. And every single time that somebody looked the other way and said, ah, no, you know, I just don't use the word, or I just don't buy the clothes, or I just don't go to the games, it wasn't enough. 
and this is what we get. We deserve to be embarrassed. We deserve to look like idiots who supported a con man. Because even though L points out the fact that male privilege is the first privilege, and this is not something new to any industry, this was happening in plain sight. And we let it happen for what? Football? That's what this was worth to you? Rhiannon Walker is my friend. I used to work with Rhiannon. And I would like to apologize to her. She's from PG. Where that team plays. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I just felt like I didn't do enough. It's okay to like football. It's okay to root for the home team. It wasn't okay to let that guy run roughshod all over all the people he has in his entire career, leading us to this. Changing a racist name and facing the fact that they have one of the most despicable cultures in the game. I'm embarrassed. I don't felt feel like I did enough. And if you still... To this day, think that there's something left there? Let's add it up. Awful owner, terrible football team, disgusting culture. What you got left? You know what you got left? If you still think this matters that much to you because your granddad had a Sonny Jurgensen jersey back in the day? Or you got a bunch of paraphernalia in your basement? half of which probably comes from before the team might have even been integrated. Oh, let's not forget also that they iced out all the dudes that crossed the daggone picket line to win that team games when they won a Super Bowl that they still tried out there that was 30 years ago. It ain't ever been good. And what you thought was good was not that good. If it still matters that much to you, guess what? You're not that much different than the dude who runs the team. You know what he is? A loser. Straight talk wireless, no contracts, no compromise. Coming up, here's the question. Could Dan Snyder be forced to sell the team? We'll answer that next. It's The Intersection on ESPN Radio. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. Apologies are not atonement. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. The show is presented by Progressive Insurance, and of course, all guests on the program appear via the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Quickly, though, give us a phone call, 1-888-SAY-ESPN, 1-888-729-3776. How should the NFL penalize Dan Snyder and the Washington football organization? I'm going to have to throw this out there because I know y'all are jerks, if at all. Jason Reed from The Undefeated joins us right now on the Shell Penzor Performance Line. Jay Reed, it's been a very intense week on a lot of different levels in terms of the football team that you have covered for an extended period of time and know quite a bit about. Where are you right now, just in terms of the human and the journalist and everything you've seen happen over the last week? Well, Quentin, I mean, like you just said, a lot has happened. Just when people are still dealing with the name situation and the new name that's coming, you know, we've been hearing for some time about the story that the Washington Post is working on, um, and props to the Post for a fabulous piece of journalism. But I'm kind of at a, at, a, at a difficult place on a, on a lot of this. I mean, the story 
was horrific, awful, ugly, and not at all surprising. I mean, I, you know, you mentioned that I covered the team as a beat writer and columnist, and I had people tell me these things over the years. And, you know, you look into things, you ask people questions, but ultimately if people don't want to comment, it's a very personal thing. And you, you know, you take, you go where the reporting takes you, but several of those things that were mentioned in that story, I, I had heard things about and I had asked questions about. So none of it is shocking at all, which is the saddest thing. And uh, I'm still processing the, the events of this week. The week is not done. The, the name change is coming. I, I thought they may might announce something tomorrow, but given events today, I don't think that's going to occur. I, I would think that they would wait probably until next week. But, uh, yeah, my man, I'm, I'm processing all of this still, and it's a lot to take in. We're joined by Jason Reed of The Undefeated. Um, here's why I'm skeptical that there's, that there's going to be any sort of, you know, uh, retribution for, for Daniel Snyder. Snyder. Because there's, no, frankly, no smoking gun. And, Jason, as you know, covering topics for The Undefeated, Clinton knows, I know this too, for marginalized communities, women included, there has to be a smoking gun in order for the, the layer of, of patriarchy to start crumbling we saw it with jerry richardson because he was the one specifically that was accused of these sort of egregious acts and donald sterling because we had him on tape and there is no smoking gun here you know by all intents and purposes this article basically says well dan snyder didn't do any of this we believe he probably knew he had to have known right like but there is nothing there so do you think that will impact how the league approaches any type of punishment for washington well everything you just impact there is absolutely true that this is different from the Jerry Richardson situation because he was accused of misconduct and the league launched an independent investigation and Richardson all of a sudden was out as owner of the Carolina Panthers. And I want to be very clear with what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that Dan Snyder countenanced these things that occurred, but the corporate culture there is so corrupt and so sick that these things were allowed to occur over a span of years is just unacceptable. I will be shocked if in this current climate, me too, the, the, the national reckoning on race that's occurring, if the NFL does not launch an independent investigation. Now, we know that the Post reporting made it very clear that no one directly pointed the finger at Dan Snyder. There were no, no anecdotes in that story specifically relating to him. But the buck stops where the buck stops. He's the owner. He, he creates the culture of the organization. And, again, I, I, I will be shocked if the league does not launch an independent investigation. Well, Jason, on top of that, in terms of the investigation into the owner, is it possible, in your opinion, that the team as a franchise could get penalized in terms of the on-the-field product? I don't necessarily know how that sort of adjudicates in the larger chain of command of the NFL, but, like, if, when, if and when certain things are found or not, is it possible that they say, hey, you know what? Draft picks, see ya. This is going to matter on the football field as well in terms of what has been happening, what has happened. No, Clinton, I understand exactly what you're saying, and, and that's why, you know, in response to this past question that Elle asked, I think that that's why you have to have an investigation. Look, the Post did incredible journalism here. It, that, that story was as bad as it could possibly be when you talk about this era that we're in, and, and there's no more excuses about, well, it's just a good old boys network and it was just boys being boys. Those days are over. There is accountability now. And I think what you have to see occur here is this investigation, which, I'll, again, guys, I'll be shocked if this doesn't occur, occur. The 
the investigation will look into, okay, this is the culture. We know that these accusations were made. Where do we go from here? What, like, one of the things the Post story pointed out was that the Post asked the Redskins to waive the non-disclosure agreements that apparently they had with many of these women. The Redskins, the, the, the team said no. So I think moving forward here, that's something that if an independent NFL investigation, uh-uh, that will be waived. The, the team would have no choice if the commissioner says we want everything on the table, all the paperwork, we're looking into everything. The, the Washington Post didn't have that power, but NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he does have that power. Yeah, but Jason, nobody gives a damn about draft picks or million-dollar fines for billionaire owners. That's not going to that's not going to set a precedent. That's not going to set an example or make an example of other teams that might think that they can turn a blind eye to this type of sexism and sexual harassment and discrimination. It's not going to be enough. And I'm sorry, Dan Snyder sucks at the draft anyway. So it's not exactly like losing draft picks means anything. What is something that needs to happen in order for this to be that defining moment in the NFL where they say enough, that no more? Well, you know, I would say that, that what happened with Jerry Richardson was a, what you would think would have been a wake-up call for the rest of the 31 teams. Um, but given the fact that these events transpired over years and, and, and just very recently, clearly it was not a wake-up call. And I get what you're saying. that you know, let, Let's say the Redskins, let's say an investigation is launched and, they, and the league strips the Redskins of a few picks or the league says, okay, you got to pay a million-dollar fine. You're absolutely right. That's not going to make substantive change or, or, or substantively scare people throughout the league into stop doing these things. But you would really think that the Jerry Richardson thing would have done that. You would think that we'd be beyond, we'd be beyond this place. So I guess what I would offer is, you know what? Anything else that can be done is just another thing that you hope would spur the type of change that clearly needs to occur here. Jason, we're out of time because we're up against it, but thank you for joining us, man. I know it's been a long week in the reporting world for you, so I appreciate it, brother. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Jason. Jason has been around that franchise for as long as anybody I know. He's seen the ins and outs and the ups and downs. So I appreciate him joining us, and I appreciate him bringing that kind of thunder. It's unacceptable. He's exactly right. Whether or not the NFL decides they're going to do something about that that's going to make anybody feel any better or not, I highly doubt it. But, you know, that's where we are. Coming up on the other side, how will this organization be penalized? And we still got to talk about the name change, y'all. Don't think you were going to escape that. I'm Clinton Yates. I'm from the capital of the United States of America. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. Reminder, (laughs) that song that team plays after they score touchdowns, it sucks, too. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You want to call us? 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Clinton Yates, L. Duncan, here on a Thursday. We're asking you, how should the NFL penalize Dan Snyder and the organization? 1-888-ESPN, 1-888-729-3776. Jane in Indiana, you're on ESPN Radio. Uh, yes. Hello. You're on the air. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, uh, Goodell should show half the courage. Uh, Adam Silver uh, really uh, did a good job when he got rid of, um, oh, what's his name, that Clippers guy, Clippers owner. Um, 
yeah, it's a shame. I hope that Roger Goodell would just make uh, Dan Snyder get rid of the team, give it to somebody who actually cares about football and cares about people. Thanks for the phone call. It's amazing how simple that is. A person who cares about football and cares about people. And not alienating the fan base. I mean, it's 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 so basic. Jane, thank you for that phone call. That was such a simple breakdown. You know, weird. Just take it from. Un- <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, take it from so him. I'm look, not hopeful. Look, we're discussing the situation in terms of the story that came out today from the Washington Post. Um, Fifteen former employees of Washington's football team have accused the team of sexual harassment and verbal abuse, and you know, quite frankly, it's just it's not that it's hard to swallow. It's not that it's surprising. It's just a lot. Liz Clark is one of the authors of that story from the Washington Post. She was on Spain and Company earlier today, and she talked about how the HR department there is half the issue when it comes to reporting things that went wrong. And in our story, although it's about the experience of 15 young women being harassed, there's also cases of of male employees being... None of this should ever have happened twice. It should never have happened, really, but if you had had... Um, a competent, well-staffed, well-funded HR department, very vigorous. Um, it would just take one episode of one scout saying something inappropriate or sending an appalling text, you know, to say, do this again and you're gone. But instead, this like went on and on and on. And these young women cycle through the jobs. They cry in the bathroom. You know, they, they wanted careers in sports. And it, it really quashed career dreams in, in some cases. That fact, L, is something that you've got to have experienced quite a ton just in terms of all the people you've seen who just couldn't stick around because people were just being, you know, inappropriate and too terrible for that to be worth their time. Yeah, it's almost, um, sadly, it's almost like the, like, um, sort of like this, your indoctrination into into sports is like at some point you're going to be dealing with these things. And let me be very clear in that. And I'm not just saying it's to Cape for Disney or to Cape for ESPN since I work there. And my experience is not the same as everybody else's experience. I don't discount any other women that have had any issues in any of these companies. Um, ESPN is very different. So when I sort of use some of these stories, I'm not actually referring to ESPN. At least it's been very different for me. Um, but yeah, it's sort of just, it's understood. Like this is the, this is the process, right? Like you're being hazed. And um, I remember being young into sports and wanting to do, you know, and doing sports radio and wanting to sort of be involved in this, but also understanding that like, you don't have to be in the sports arena to understand that as women we're over-sexualized um, and we're subjected to this sort of discrimination and harassment uh, from a very young age, uh, as soon as we become sort of sexual beings, this is what happens. And so I was prepared for it, but I wasn't prepared for it. You know, um, being on air and, and having, you know, co-hosts ask for me to, to flash them at like on air and like repeatedly asking and then like pretending like I did so that for years after that, people would go, can I be, be real with me? Did you really flash them? Um, things like that, crying every day, but also waiting until I got to the car, crying in the bathroom because I didn't want to be perceived as weak or unable to take it and handle it. And I'll say this to the women that are listening or to the, to the girls that are listening or to the women that have young girls that want to be in the sports field. Like, it's pathetic and sad to think that at some point your daughters are going to face this sort of harassment or discrimination. But I can say that I hope that it doesn't deter you from still wanting to, to sort of um, be in the space of these male-dominated industries and fields, and whether that be in technology or finance or whatever it is that you find yourself in. Uh, because it takes bravery and courage, and it takes women like this to speak out and to tell their stories uh, to, to, to great, you know, uh, 
let's be real. Like, there's going to certainly be a, a certain amount of people that will rally around uh, these women, but there's certainly going to be an entire facet of other people that say, well, what were they wearing and what did they do to ask for these things and, and who will try to figure out who it was. There will be a, a public shaming, if you will, of victims as we continue to see. And I just hope that, th that women are not deterred. I hope that they understand that, like, there is at some point an opportunity to work in a space where you are appreciated for your work ethic and for your knowledge and your ability and where it isn't, you know, you're not just being sent to, to track down athletes um, at the Super Bowl on Radio Row because you're young and, frankly, they're hoping that they'll be more attracted to you than, like, a chunky, you know, white producer guy, uh, which has also happened to me. But, like, there is somewhat of an end, uh, a light at the end of the tunnel, and I hope that, that you're not deterred from wanting to enter this field because of these disgusting and despicable stories you continue to hear. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio. She's L. Duncan. I'm Clinton Yates. By the by, Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil, based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Let's hear again from Liz Clark, who is the author of the story, along with Will Hobson from The Washington Post. She was on Spain & Company today, and she talked about a problematic culture overall in Ashburnstead. And in our story, although it's about the experience of 15 young women being harassed, there's also cases of, of male employees being sort of debased and, and uh, humiliated, uh, is, is how I would put it. We felt there was a real strong thread there of young women either being sexually harassed, receiving unwelcome overtures, or on the marketing side of the team, and this is what echoes the cheerleader story, being expected or told or urged to wear tight-fitting clothes. And in one case, you know, an offer from a boss to, to hook a young woman up with uh, breast augmentation. And this comes from above. I mean, this is a story in which three employees of the team have lost their jobs. I, I think there's a much deeper story here about a culture. These events, these experiences happened over 13 years. By the way, Will Hobson will be joining the program. He's from the Washington Post at the top of the hour. Now, quickly, before I get to you, Al, I want to get to another cut. Craig Hoffman used to work for the team and used to be a beat writer for, excuse me, a beat reporter on, in radio for this team. He said that, look, Snyder might just end up keeping this franchise. It's a really good question to which I think the answer is probably not based off what was in this report. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussions that happen, but to force an owner to sell their team is an enormous step. And I don't necessarily know if other owners are going to push for that because let's be really frank about this. The, the NFL ownership, almost all of them are extremely wealthy white men who have mm -hmm. had the power and money for years to be able to hide potentially similar conduct. If you think Daniel Snyder is the only one with skeletons in his closet in the NFL, you're crazy. And so are other owners really going to make that push because then they open themselves up to similar criticism or do they think because of the things with the name and the reputation of the franchise that this could be a one-time thing, then maybe. But I think unless Dan is directly implicated and there's more reporting to come, I don't know that this is going to be enough to push him to sell. He's just going to have to make a lot of changes directly underneath that was Craig Hoffman on Fox 5 DC, locally in Washington. L, that's the scariest part. He's 100% right, Clinton. He's 100% he's right because, and this is where I ask for allyship from our brothers. I'm getting upset because if this was a situation involving racism, then the men on that field 
would take a stand and they would threaten and they would use their power, but it's women. That's how you affect change is those 53 dudes on that roster saying, I won't play for this man because they're standing up for women and no one will do it. Nobody stands up for women. We say this is what you get. You entered this field. You knew what you were doing. And so, <clears throat> it's just a part of it. And then I'm just, I'm getting upset because I just, when, what, what else has to happen? What has to happen? They have to be accused of actual sexual assault? Like, what's the, what has to happen for somebody to stand up for us and say enough to use their power and their clout and their cachet for us? This, this is, enough of this I'm tired of it I'm tired of hearing these stories and I'm tired of being numb to them and saying yep yeah no yep yep that's part of it like and that's why nothing will change because no one will stand up for us nobody that has any power to stand up for us will stand up for us it won't happen who cares about draft picks they're all already fired. It doesn't matter. He'll just hire more personnel directors. It doesn't matter. Gotcha, girl. All right. Coming up, we're going to talk about whether or not this team retiring his name is really going to change how people feel about the organization. <laughs> it's the Intersection on ESPN Radio. She's El Duncan. Listen to her. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. In fact... The team with the racist name was the last to integrate in the NFL and has never had a full-time black coach. Terry Rubisky was an interim. You're listening to The Intersection on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And all guests on the program appear via the show, Penzoil Performance. Now, listen, y'all, we're kind of going through it here right now today. Okay? Understand oh, that. This is a very emotional situation. Between the story that came out today, between everything that's happened over the course of my entire lifetime regarding the emotional machinations of this squad it's coming out y'all Elle, how you doing i'm okay i've actually never been so pumped to talk about a racial slur so um let's yeah. just you know go. it's just listen i i hate i don't like being emotional um but it's just it's just this idea that women have to just they have to juggle all of these things right like they have to prove themselves and they have to be brave and they have to be courageous and they're in a place in an environment that's hostile where they're underrepresented where they're undervalued where people already assume that they're only there either to fulfill some sort of diversity and inclusion component of their company or because they're hot or because they slept their way to their top or they're good reporters because they sleep with athletes it's just like overwhelming and it sucks it just sucks it sucks for the girls that will hear these stories and say, never mind, I'm not going to do sports, you know, because I'm tired of hearing these stories. Like, I just – but, you know, we, we soldier on. I just – I wish we had more allies. That's all. I hear you. All right. Well, let's switch topics to the name change. Yeah. Which, again, like I told you all before, y'all are not getting away from my wrath on this one either. All right. <laughs> quickly, let's hear what Joe Theismann had to say, former QB of the team on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. I certainly have mixed emotions. I mean, the name has been a part of the Washington landscape for 87 years. Uh, the logo itself was designed by a Native American in 1972. So there's a history there and, and a heritage. And, and after we won the world championship in 1982, I was given a, a chief's headdress by one of the tribal nations. And I, I mean, it was a great honor. It was a great honor to put that uniform on and represent the Native Americans. We have to understand also that this conversation has been going on for a long time. It isn't like all of a sudden somebody said, let's 
with the name Redskin, and let's change it. This has been going on for three decades. History. 87 years. When talking about native peoples of a land, the heritage of a football team somehow is more important. Now, there's a couple things to break down here that are important in terms of what this name change is. You mentioned it. We started before at the top of the show. Red tails, anything with the word red in it, for me, has to go. Really? You know why? Because I'm not giving the benefit of the doubt to any fan is going to buy new gear or anything like that. It is a convenient excuse for the people in the district and the fans of that team outside of the district to just do nothing. A similar sounded word that allows you to fit into a similar sounded song and wear similar looking garb ain't getting it done. Okay? And the reason why this is important is twofold. Number one, people forget who a lot of these people in Burgundy and Gold Nation is. Before 1970, wasn't no NFL teams on the East Coast between D.C. and Miami. Which means everybody on down through NASCAR country, decent amount of fans room for the Burgundy and Gold. And you can include Dale Earnhardt Jr. in that. NASCAR. You can see where I'm going with this, kiddos. Okay, the reason why we're still holding on to this is because the deep-rooted fan bases of this team, eh, you know. And so for me, anything close to it at this point is a emotional and psychological cop-out. 100% L. Got to go. Well, then what are you what are you proposing? Because I, I said it, I'm not for using red tails and not just – you know, sort of to be snarky and say because they suck and the Red Tails were, you know, the epitome of excellence, but because, like, that's not how you commemorate. I just, I feel like we're, we're I thought we were done sort of caricaturizing a group of people. Like, I don't, what the Red Tails had to fight for, what they had to go through just in order to be able to serve their country, what they faced when they came home, you don't commemorate commemorate the red tails and their their battle and their honor and their courage and bravery by chanting like let's go red tails and put it like i don't understand how we honor any group of people by chanting their name at a football game by making them become a nickname by by somehow mascotting them like i just don't i'm not a a proponent for anything like that but in particular when it comes to the red tails and i think it's a cop-out it's a cop-out because it's military so speaking of nascar country right clinton like you sort of check that box for them like oh you're 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 honoring the military so you can at least get that out of the way um and you get to keep the red so it feels a little bit more you know reflexive right like it feels a little more familiar uh but but what's what would you be a proponent of then if you don't want to do anything with red in it I uh, wrote a column probably five years ago for The Post. I think Americans is a uh, nice way to do something. And the reason why is because if you still want to actually honor, and I'm using that word in air quotes because I just can't think of another one right now, the Native American tradition of this nation, not of that team, Americans was the way that scientific journals and people referred to Native Americans well before anybody showed up on the Mayflower, you know? Africans, Europeans, Asians, Americans. The Americans were not the ones that were pilgrims. There was just a simple state, state, stating of who those people were. Now, that's not necessarily the best option in my opinion, but here's the deal. 
you also don't get to move from awful name, awful franchise culture, awful team to, oh, yeah, I'm going to trust you with the legacy of the Red Tails. Sorry, you haven't done the work. You don't get to do that. Sorry, it just does not add up for me in terms of whom I'm supposed to believe is going to be responsible with that legacy. Ain't no way. I'm letting Daniel M. Snyder, who was dragging Native peoples out in, to the front of the field every single time somebody was on national TV to make his point about what he thought made sense. No way I'm trusting that guy with the legacy of the Tuskegee Airmen. I can't even talk. I'm so upset. No way. That doesn't even make sense. Nope. Give us a phone call, though. one 888 729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance at Progressive. They're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Clinton, why not go by yes. the hogs? Because as evident by the article today in the Washington Post, they're a bunch of pigs anyway. Zing. What? The hogs. Show me, show me the lie. That's a bad name. Sorry. The They're already associated with hogs. Again, why are we still holding on to crap from 35 years ago? I don't understand that. Tradition. My goodness. Burn this thing down and build it back up the right way. You know it's the right thing to do. Will Hobson from the Washington Post, he joins us next. He was the author of that story along with Liz Clark. It's The Intersection on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Intersection, where sports and social justice meet. Proudly presented by ESPN Audio and The Undefeated. 